0: Thanks for joining the Eventive Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm your host and event mentor, Sarah Brush, event professional for over two decades. My goal for this podcast is to share how events and sponsorships can help you build community, make an impact and grow your business and have lots of fun while doing it. By the way, don't forget to check the episode notes for valuable event resources exclusively for you. I appreciate you spending this time with me. Let's get this party started. Welcome to the Adventive Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, our guest is Ashley Klein. Ashley is a digital marketing consultant and freelancing expert. With more than 15 years of experience in the digital marketing space, she specializes in building strategic marketing plans, mapping strategy execution, and collaborating to optimize tactics that drive increased performance for clients, primarily in the events and entertainment space but also has extensive experience working with the medical device, healthcare, and finance technology sectors as well. She is also the Executive Vice President of Client Strategy at TicketSocket and Vice President and Co-Founder of Ice Cream Social. I am so excited to share her expertise with you and help us with events. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Sarah. Excited to be here.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to have you, and I'm really excited to talk all about events because I know you have some you know, great experience that's going to be really helpful to our listeners. Yes. So I know that you've done a lot in the digital marketing space in events and entertainment. Can you kind of share about your highlights and, and what you're up to?
1: Sure. So um, I've been working in the event marketing space for about eight years now and have touched All kinds of events. Uh, So I've worked with, you know, one, two day large festivals. I work a lot with, uh, you know, your traveling circuses or monster truck shows. I do a lot of fun runs, lantern festivals, um, time ticketing events. Uh, So I've really had some cool experience in working with all kinds of different events, both um, business to consumer as well as business to business. Um, And it's been really fun to do. I've been doing marketing for over 17, 18 years now. And the first half of my career, I was focused in medical device. So completely different uh, verticals. However, uh, I found that events were just really fun to market because one, they bring people so much joy and two, from a marketing perspective, it's fun because Um, you can do your marketing and see immediate return, where in medical device, we didn't have that luxury.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. In the the variety of events that you just mentioned, can imagine just the creativity that you can do with marketing with all those type
1: of events? Yeah, for sure.
0: Oh, that's so cool. And I know we'll talk about this later, but you're part of two really incredible companies as well. So we'll get into that. But I wanted to take this time just to get some of your expertise and maybe talk about like a couple different areas of events and marketing and get like your tips on those areas. So I wanted to start with just the strategy and tactics that everyone should really be aware of.
1: Sure. So I would say, uh, so my role essentially is I work with a lot of different events, helping them with their digital marketing. So that could be something very uh, strategic and putting together a plan for them and allowing their team to execute as well as uh, being very tactical and actually rolling up my sleeves and running Facebook ads or sending emails and SMS. And I would say the biggest pitfall that I see a lot of events do is not have a strategy at all or they their strategy is really putting all their eggs in one basket and that basket being the meta basket mm-hmm. <laughs> just start Facebook and Instagram ads and it'll all work out. and um, I've really found that uh, that has become extremely unreliable this year. Um, just focusing in on Facebook Instagram ads, um, just a lot of issues with ad accounts lately and um, when something's not working, even if it's only for a day or two where your account goes down, that can have dramatic effects on sales. And um, I'm a big, big fan of having an email and SMS list to really complement that. Um, and that's something that a lot of people in events are still getting pretty comfortable with, especially SMS, which is a, a little bit newer of a tactic. Uh, so I would say those are kind of some of the biggest pitfalls that I see. Yeah,
0: and if you had to, you know, someone just needed to start, Add one question like, where should I start with the marketing? And obviously, you need to have a plan put together, but what would be the one thing that you would say that they should start with in terms of like their strategy and tactics?
1: Sure. So, the one thing that I do for every client that I work with that has proven to work for years, time after time, any event is you need to create buzz before you go on sale. Um, If you've already gone on sale, Yes, there's still ways (laughs) to do it. Essentially what you do is, uh, yes, you run an ad, a Facebook ad, uh, promoting your event, letting people know they're coming to your town, letting people know you're coming to their town, wherever it may be, and encourage them to sign up to your list, have them click through on the ad, give you their name, email, phone number. That's it. Those three things. And what that does is it really builds up buzz before you go on sale. And that way, once you go on sale, you've got a list of people who have already said, yes, I'm very interested. Please let me know when you go on sale. And you're not relying so much on Facebook ads once you're on sale. You have an email list and SMS list that you can continue to nurture throughout the sales cycle. And it supports a lot of other marketing channels. Um, So I would say that's number one. You need to build a list.
0: Uh, That's so good. And I think a lot of times people will open registration a little bit too late for their event as well. So if you also have to do the buzz and you have to get the registrations in, you know, what you're saying is so key. What do you think about the importance of word of mouth for events?
1: Oh, I'm a big fan of word of mouth marketing And, uh, you know, events really are, it's a place where we connect, we share experiences for a lot of us who value, um, experience based things like they are core memories for us. So it's a very natural thing for us to talk about and share with people. It's usually the cornerstone of conversations. Hey, what are you doing? What's, what's going on in your life? What have you been up to? So when someone buys a ticket for your event, Oftentimes they want to share that experience with someone close to them. So it's important for you to provide a simple way for your customers to easily invite you know friends, family, colleagues, depending on the kind of event um, to attend with them. So when word of mouth marketing is done right with events, you know, what we've found is it does, it's your lowest cost per acquisition to acquire a customer. So it's your lowest cost form of marketing. And when you are leveraging word of mouth marketing, not only is it your lowest cost channel, but it actually brings down the cost of all of your marketing channels because it does help your advertising strategy, your email, your SMS. And it's just that idea of like all boats rise with the tide. If you can really master that word of mouth marketing, it really does help all of your marketing.
0: What do you usually suggest in terms of like the way that they can share that?
1: Sure. So usually, um, quick plug, we'll talk about it more later, but ice cream social or any kind of social referral widget, uh, that's most ideal because it does make it easy for someone to share. Oftentimes you can incentivize them in some way for sharing or for getting friends to purchase. It gives them tracking links. So whenever you can implement that on someone's like confirmation page after they purchased tickets um, or registered for an event, that's when they're most excited to tell everyone they're going because it's, it's confirmed, they've got their tickets in hand, they wanna tell everyone. Uh, if you can facilitate that word-of-mouth marketing right as a transaction happens, that's going to be your best bet for success. A lot of times, you can do that through a widget. Um, if a widget is just not in your toolbox or not something you know you can deploy easily because of tech or um, you know, paying for another tool, another thing that I've um, worked with clients to do is just a simple email forward as soon as they do make their purchase, automate an email that goes out to them saying, hey, events are more fun when friends go with you, forward this email to a friend.
0: That's so good. Do you like the idea of doing special offers to bring a friend or a buy one, get one free type of ticket? I mean, it all depends on your budget, of course, I know.
1: Yes, absolutely. Whenever you can incentivize someone, they're always more likely to take action. Uh, So Ice Cream Social, we really focus on gamifying that word of mouth marketing. And oftentimes it looks like, hey, you just bought tickets. Great. If you share this and get five friends to go with you, we'll refund your ticket or we'll give you a gift card or a ticket to come back next year or free merchandise, whatever your event is, what makes sense. What we found is setting that goal, let's say to five, people often will send the invite to eight to 12 people. And, you know, that brings traffic back to your website that you can pixel, that you can retarget to, that you could get to join your email list. So it doesn't always uh, convert via the share widget as you know, we talked about it helps all marketing channels. Um, But when you gamify it that way and let people um, see their progress, oh, you got one friend to buy, two friends to buy, it keeps them on inviting. And what we found is a lot of people very easily get two, three friends to come and purchase tickets. Um, But it's pretty rare that someone actually reaches their goal of let's say getting five friends to buy. So for you, you're not necessarily giving out all these free refunds and rewards, mm-hmm. but you are still getting that word of mouth marketing and you are making it fun for the end user. And at the end of the day, they're still getting their friends to go with them, which will make a great experience.
0: Oh, that's so helpful. What do you think about when it gets close to the event and you're really low on your goal for getting people signed up? Do you have any like tips that you usually use with clients to just try to like get, closer to the numbers right before the event?
1: Yeah, um, that's tough. That's not my favorite (laughs) place to be. (laughs) I will say uh, when it comes to event marketing, when done correctly, oftentimes as soon as you go on sale, you see a big spike in sales Mm -hmm. and then it kind of steadies off for a while. And then those last two weeks, typically depending on your event type is when you see another big surge in sales. And that just comes because uh, of the deadline, you know, people, right. deadlines and especially for events. Now I'm finding that it's harder for people to commit to going to an event that's so far out. So you also have to be um, very mindful of how far out you're marketing, but it has to be far out enough for you to, you know, build the right revenue. Um, so in that case, if you are, you know, leveraging your Facebook ads and you just can't scale that any further um because of the return you're seeing on it in those last two weeks and you've already exhausted let's say if you have an email sms list um i would go back to that word of mouth marketing i would no matter what you have a database of new customers who have all purchased tickets and again focus on getting them to invite their friends to go with them you know maybe when they bought tickets two months ago, they might've invited a friend and, you know, haven't heard back, but now as that deadline approaches? uh, There's new opportunity again to ask them. And so that's going to be one of your best places to start is your turning your customers into influencers for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course uh, we've also seen good last minute results. Again, last minute stuff is not ideal, but last, minute, um, working with local influencers in the area. So maybe some sort of content exchange or paying them for a post um, that can help you out in a pinch as well. Uh, But again, there's a lot more you can do with influencer marketing if you have the right timeline.
0: Long, do you suggest with your clients, and of course, this can vary depending on event, that you would suggest starting that phase of the buzz building and then also opening registration? Is there a timeline that you usually Like to stick with?
1: Yeah, you know, it does depend on the kind of event that it is. Um, Some events that, you know, are much, much larger in scale do require going on sale, you know, way earlier. You know, things sell out, that kind of anticipation, a lot more planning. Um, Some things require an earlier sale. And the reason some events go on sale much earlier and build that anticipation is because they need that revenue sooner, uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe pay venue fees or talent fees, whatever you're trying to lock in. Um, so if you have more flexibility, a lot of times with a lot of the clients that I'm working with, an ideal timeline is, um, I have about four to five months before the event happens. So we've got at least a solid three months of being on sale. And then, you know, we've got a you know, four to eight weeks to build buzz. Um, that's ideal. Uh, I've worked with much shorter timelines and still seen success. Uh, but I've still seen failure as well. Uh, it, it does depend, you know, there's a lot of factors involved, but if you can have that kind of, you know, five month period to work with, that's ideal.
0: Yeah, that aligns with what I see as well. Do you suggest always having an early bird to get people signed up? Or is there a pricing strategy that you like a lot?
1: Yeah, I I definitely always suggest an early bird. I do like to do price increases. And that, again, is just built on that philosophy of those last two weeks sell a lot of tickets. And so when you're in that stagnant sales cycle area where things are pretty flat, Having those different um, price increases throughout that can help um, create those bumps of sales again. You know, if you're emailing, texting people, hey, tonight at midnight, tickets go up, get them before, you know, the price increases. So I definitely suggest doing that. Um, Usually, when we do this big buzz campaign um, promoting the day we go on sale um, for that one hour, of when we go on sale, we'll usually do a lot of big perks then, like a VIP offer, special pricing, um, whatever we can to make it very attractive for someone to purchase within the first hour of going on sale. Um, We'll put together a nice package for that as well.
0: What are your thoughts around or advice on brand partnerships and sponsorships?
1: Uh, So for brand partnerships and sponsorships, I'd have to say this is probably the most overlooked channel in event revenue. Uh, A lot of people do rely on ticket sales as their revenue um, or like on-site concessions, which is great. But I think there is so much opportunity in brand partnerships and sponsorships because there are companies out there that have money, they're trying to get from the right audience. And this is such a great opportunity. And I find that most events think They may be too small to attract the right sponsor or partners or the events that are somewhat substantial in size often don't see their value in in just offering a mass amount of people that can be reached. Um, They don't understand how valuable that is to a company. Um, So if you have your marketing together and obviously there's people on site, a sponsor partner can have signage there but if you have your marketing together, can offer a nice package with social posts, emails, SMS. Um, you have a lot more leverage than you think. Uh, at TicketSocket, we have a couple companies that we partner with that I will refer my clients to. And all of these companies do is they go out there and find you the sponsors and pair you up with them. Um, so that's, if you don't know where to start, there's there's definitely ways of doing that.
0: Other thing that I wanted to ask you about was tips for confidence on stage because I know that you do a lot of speaking yourself.
1: I do, yes. So let's see. I do a lot of speaking, just teaching at events, um, how to do event marketing. So one thing that I do that um, helps me is I have to remember that I am an expert in my topic matter. Sounds so strange, but I, <laughs> when I first started speaking and you know didn't feel confident on stage, I was a little doubtful of myself. Um, and I actually gained that confidence and remembered that I am an expert as I started speaking and seeing how interested people were asking questions and um, just being able to show results in case studies. So when you doubt your knowledge, it can be difficult to feel confident on stage. So sounds so silly, but if you can prep yourself um, by remembering that, you know, kind of looking at if you have any case studies or numbers or things that help you feel good about your past success, uh, that can definitely be a great place to start. Um, Another thing that I do is there's always at least a couple of people in the audience who are genuinely engaged in what you are saying. Uh, Of course, there's always a couple people who seem completely preoccupied on their phone, whatever. Do not let that get you down. Focus on those one or two people who are so engaged, you know, who are, you know, taking notes, taking pictures of your slides, uh, maybe asking questions like nodding their head. Focus on those people and pretend you're having a one-on-one casual conversation with them. Um, When I'm speaking on stage, and depending on the stage setup, if I'm able to, you know, see these people very clearly, I just make a lot of eye contact with them. And that brings me comfort in knowing, yes, someone's very excited about what I have to say. Those tips
0: are so good. And it's so good for me to hear as well, because I'm such a nervous speaker. Like I don't, that's kind of one of the last things I would want to do is get on stage. But like you said, just knowing you're an expert and people are really interested in what you're saying and and really looking into the faces and those smiling faces in the audience of people that are interested.
1: I have two other tips that I'd love to share that really helped me. with Yes,
0: that'd be great.
1: One is make things engaging by asking questions throughout. I know a lot of times people say, well, I'll save you know 10 or 15 minutes at the end for questions. Um, But I found being able to shake things up, ask questions or take questions from the audience throughout. One helps me get to know my audience and feel more comfortable with them. And it gets them in that participation mode rather than just sitting there for 45 minutes and listening until they can ask their questions. And sounds so silly, but you know, the good old candy bar, throwing out candy bars to get people (laughs) to participate. It just shakes things up, especially if you are giving a longer presentation where you just feel like you're talking and talking and you need some breaks throughout. Um, I find that really helpful just to ask people questions and, you know, have them raise their hands and get them engaged um, with me throughout the presentation. And then Lastly, now this tip works for me, uh, not even when I'm speaking, if it's just a networking event, but if you are speaking and it's at some sort of event, a conference, whatever the case may be, what I'll do is um, earlier in the day, maybe if there's like a general session or a lunch or, you know, whatever I can find where a lot of the attendees are going to, or if it is just a networking event, like a uh evening sunset mixer type chamber of commerce networking event you're at what i found is i will stand at the front door and as soon as people walk in they look at me and they say hi and they shake my hand and introduce themselves cuz they think i work for the event <laughs> I'm able to uh, introduce myself and let them know who I am, which is great, obviously, because I'm meeting so many people that come in and out the door. But what I found is that helps me get comfortable because then I'm meeting a lot of people at the event and then I'll see them in the audience when I'm speaking. And they're more likely to be engaged with me because they met me earlier. And it just helps build comfort. And when you're at these events where there's a lot of people and you're just networking can be uncomfortable and weird sometimes. And when someone does is standing there and doesn't know who to talk to, they're going to see you and remember like, Oh yeah, I met her earlier. I'm going to go stand by her and make conversation, you know? So that can be a really great way to kind of break the ice before you go on stage and meet people. Oh,
0: I really love that one. I I really can see how people would have meeting you when they first come in. And then knowing that you're a speaker and seeing you up on stage, just really want to support you and, and recognize you, you know, since they just met you. So that one is so good.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: What would you say about the difference between a proactive and reactive client?
1: Well, I find with my proactive clients, they uh, <laughs> have a lot more success. They're more collaborative. They're willing to experience, um, experiment a little more with different types of marketing. Um, reactive can be very stressful on everyone. Oftentimes, it's just a lack of planning. Um, So I really do try to encourage my clients to be as proactive as possible in planning, experimenting, allocating budgets, and, and being ready for whatever's to come. I try to prepare them the best that I can. So they feel prepared for what to expect during a marketing cycle, which can help alleviate some of that reactiveness. Anyone who works in events knows it's crazy and hectic and things happen all the time that are just unpredictable and there's always something to deal with and a fire to put out. And you just got to learn not to take it personally and just roll with the punches as well.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I think for those listening that are hosting events, just to understand like how important that is when they're working with somebody like you or any of their vendors to be that proactive client. So the partnership can really help the success of the event.
1: Yes, agree.
0: Yeah. What about the importance of focusing on your customer success?
1: Yeah, a great question. I would say uh, when it comes to focusing on customer success, I mean, for one, it just brings sheer joy to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, If my customers are successful, uh, they're happy, which makes me happy, which gives us great case studies. And it just makes the experience much more enjoyable and focusing on their success is your success. That's how you create a never ending funnel of business, um, because as People see what kind of results you're capable of, you know, people talk, doing good work is, you know, really that word of mouth marketing at its best.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So you are the Executive Vice President of Client Strategy a Ticket TicketSocket, which provides event organizers and developers a customizable white-label ticketing, registration, and event management platform, which is so important <laughs> when you're hosting an event. Can you talk about just that importance of having an event platform and how that can make your life so much easier when you're planning and hosting an event?
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. So uh, at TicketSocket... Uh, our clients come to us because they're looking to have full control of their brand, their money, and their data. Um, So your brand, of course, is an important part of your event and building trust with your community and longevity and your business. So it's important to keep that front and center during the entire purchasing journey and beyond. I'm not going to name, you know, any other kind of ticketing platforms out there, but you know, when, once you click to buy a ticket, it takes you to a different platform, a different URL, Uh different logo. It can become confusing for the end user to, you know, later find their tickets and, you know, all sorts of things. So keeping the focus on your brand only builds your brand equity. And then um, secondly, many other ticketing companies they actually keep your customer data and remarket back to them for competing events. And it could be a different event um, on a different weekend, a different kind of event. But at the end of the time, you're competing for people's time and money. Um, so owning your own customer data is really important to a lot of our customers. Um, and, and a big shift that we're seeing And essentially, your customer data is your most valuable asset. And you can use that year after year to continue to grow your event. So keeping it to yourself uh, uh, is pretty important to our customers. And then the last piece I mentioned was money. And this is another important factor. And we saw such a dramatic example why when COVID hit, uh, many ticketing companies, when a purchase to your event is made, they hold on to your funds, and they pay you out at a later date. They might hold your funds for a few weeks just you know, to check on like um, people doing chargebacks or refunds or anything like that, or oftentimes they actually won't release a majority of your funds until after the event is over. And when COVID hit, these ticketing companies held on to these funds uh, of events that weren't sure were going to happen when they could happen or anything like that. And that put a lot of event companies in a really vulnerable position because they lost all their cash flow. Um, They couldn't, all their cash flow was sitting with this ticketing company and they were going to have no way to get it until their event happened. And it really left them in a place where they couldn't figure out how to pivot during such uh, a tough time. And so um, at TicketSocket, we connect your ticketing site to your own merchant processor. So, if somebody makes a purchase uh, to attend your event, the funds go directly into your bank account, not ours. So, we never hold on to your money. And that gives you full financial flexibility to really scale your event as needed. Like I mentioned, you know, maybe to pay out different talent fees or secure your venue or scale your marketing campaigns if it's performing really well. So having access to your money is also a very important factor to our clients.
0: That's for sure. And do you have options for, you know, different ranges of scale of events? So do you work with, you know, smaller events or larger or what is that range?
1: Oh, yeah. We work with all types of events from small you know, little local events to very large brands. Um, it's essentially a platform that we're giving you, and you can use it as you see fit for your business.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah, I think that will be very helpful because I I think a lot of people, um, you know, entrepreneurs that are just doing their first event, sometimes they're just using even their website to do mm-hmm. registration. So I think it's going to be nice to you know look at some different options and things like that. So that's that's really helpful and. I don't know how you do all this. You must be very busy, but you're also the vice president and co-founder of Ice Cream Social, which you mentioned earlier, which is a social sharing tool. So I'd love to just hear how you came up with that idea and created it into a business and and how you really use that in events. I I know you mentioned using that to kind of share people signing up and for the events with friends.
1: Yes, absolutely. So Ice Cream Social was born from a need by our Ticket Socket customers. So our TicketSocket customers were looking for ways to sell more tickets, but didn't necessarily had funds to increase their marketing budget. So after a lot of collaboration with clients and talking to them, we built Ice Cream Social as just a feature inside of TicketSocket to help turn all those customers into promoters for our clients' events, um, as I mentioned, by gamifying that word of mouth marketing. So making it very easy for them to invite their friends to attend with them while rewarding them in the process. And eventually Ice Cream Social um, caught so much traction and a lot of our clients were like, this is great. Can I use this on my e-commerce merchandise store? Can I use it here and there? And so we peeled it off um, out of Ticket Socket, still a piece of Ticket Socket, but we made it its own Standalone tool and its own standalone company, um, which captured the intent, the attention and investment from NBC Comcast as well, which was exciting.
0: Wow, that's so exciting!
1: And how did you come up with a name that's so fun? (laughs) So it just goes back to uh, the old days. Don't know when. We'll just call it the good old days when (laughs) you know that word of mouth marketing really happened at you know these ice cream socials, these neighborhood block parties, these Avon parties, Tupperware parties, and just, you know, getting back to those days where you just um, connect more with your neighbors and talk about, you know, what you're doing, what's going on. And uh, that's really where the name came from. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. And I feel like there's not
0: a lot of companies out there that focus specifically on helping with event marketing. So for those that are listening that are really interested in partnering with you on that, You do that as consulting, right? And then, you know, you have these options of Ticket Socket or Ice Cream Social if they're interested, but can people work directly with you just just on their event marketing plans?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, You can learn more about me at ashleykline.com. And then of course, if you're a Socket client, then you get a chance to work with me as well. That's so cool.
0: Is there any other tips um, that you would like to share that you think would be helpful for those that are hosting events in their marketing plans?
1: Um, I would say, give yourself enough time as possible to market and to really think about how can you get people excited about your event, even if you think your event's not exciting or if your event is exciting, like how can you really make a big splash out of it? How can you have that, what we call that omnipresence marketing approach um, where people are just seeing and hearing about you everywhere Um, so really think about all the different ways to activate your event marketing i mean we talked a lot about facebook ads email sms um, influencer marketing those are really the big ones but don't forget seo local directories your chamber of commerce billboards radio um All of that works as well. Um, And having them all work together can really um, give you great gains in your event sales. Wow, this was so helpful. I could just talk to you forever. I I love what you're
0: doing and I love the businesses that you've created. And what is the best way for people to connect with you? Is there a favorite social media platform for you?
1: Um, I would say just visit my website, ashleykline.com or ticketsocket.com or icecreamsocial.io, whichever one interests you and just go ahead, submit the form, feel free to reach out and, you know, we'll connect via email, direct conversation. That is perfect. I will put all of that in the show notes and
0: I really appreciate you taking the time to be here.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate it that you spent it with me. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love, love if you can rate it five stars and write a review. This helps us get the podcast out to more people. And if you want to connect, I am on Instagram at event brush and I would love to hear from you. Thanks and have a great day.